0: You guys ready? Should I do the dumb intro? Sure. Alright. Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different topic each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles.
1: And I'm Sam.
0: And I think we have a really interesting episode ahead of us here. Usually, Sam and I don't dabble much in current events. Our focus for the show is mostly on... The interplay between cinema and culture from a historical standpoint, yada, yada, yada. The goings on in 21st century Hollywood, while occasionally fraught with salacious psychodrama, just ain't our beat. It's not what excites us, and it's not that it's, you know, particularly difficult to place, you know, the current cultural moment within historical context. It's just often hard to get right. So we just stay in our lane and avoid that kind of shit, and just talk about old movies and niche genre stuff. You know, we we avoid the current event kind of fair.
1: Yeah, but this is different. This isn't just a current event, this issue of strikes, and basically these kind of class issues are at the heart of Hollywood for its entire history. And the outcome of this particular strike is not just going to be something that people talk about for a month. It's something that's going to affect the entertainment industry in this country and probably also around the world. And I think, you know, it's hard to deny that the history of society as we know it is the history of class struggle. And certainly strikes have been a major part of the foundation of the U.S. and resistance
0: as well. And to help illuminate these matters and bring an insider's perspective, Sam and I are joined by the claim filmmaker, professor, and proud union member, Charles Smith. Welcome, Charles. Oh, thank you so much, Charles whoa, whoa. and Sam.
1: Charles Smith the
0: third. The third.
1: You got to get the whole thing in I there. I know.
0: All right, so I guess to start things off, uh, I want to ask you, Charles, what is the WGA and what are their demands? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I didn't know you're gonna start off like that. I would have brought up the
2: paper. It's uh, right there. Uh,
0: well, what is the WGA? I guess
2: is uh, the is Writers the- Guild of America. So you know, in, in film, there's a union for almost everything. There's an editors union. There's a actors union. There's even a producers union. Producers which Guild. You're of, in, yeah, right? Yeah, which I'm in. When people were asking me last week or this month about it, because uh, they're like, "Oh, you're a producer. You must be." No, I'm like, I'm not a studio executive. I'm not a studio. Like, Uh, studio executives are so bad that producers have to start their own guild to work against (laughs) it you know like that should say something that people in control of the money have to start their own guild to protect themselves
1: (laughs) wait is there a studio executive guild
0: (laughs)
2: yeah it's is is that
1: like the lollipop guild (laughs) yeah i don't think so
2: AMPTP, which is negotiating for all the studio execs, um, and then you've got the the Writers Guild, and it's all about how to get paid for streaming because you know you know it's always been considered new media, and it's been considered new media for what fifteen yeah, years. Yeah, it's not yeah, new. Yeah, for a while now. So they have to figure out a way to pay people with that because there are no residuals for that, right? So if I'm in, if I do a job that's supposed to give me any kind of residual for a streaming thing, and based on profits like what is the profit there is none because it's on its own streaming service and then it would only work if they were then to sell it to say CBS to air like if they went syndication
0: yeah because there's precedent for that like and and there is this like advertisement revenue but with Netflix it's just this monthly subscription thing and they're like a company that like is a disruptor that's losing money and only seems to exist like an Uber to put other people out of work in a way or to change the industry so much so that like no one knows who's holding the bag and who to ask for your money from because it's you know it's not what it used to be
1: but it's not you can't even just say netflix because there are so many it's like every major platform now has its own streaming site and i think things really changed during the pandemic when films didn't immediately go to the theater for an extended period of time. And there's this whole issue with, you know, people like Scarlett Johansson suing because having a theatrical release was part of her contract. And what does it mean when your film is in the theater for a week? And then it just goes to streaming and how does that affect people's income?
2: You know who wrote a great article on this is G.R.R. Martin. He, he got his start on the Twilight Zone, the the reboot in the eighties, and they had a full writer. So twenty two get twenty two episodes. You get a full you get a full. Load. I don't know how many people there are, but you get a dozen people at least to write all these episodes. And there's various tiers, like the staff writer being the lowest. And then they're, then they're called like um, executive producers, associate producers, things like that. So an executive producer on a TV show is going to be the showrunner, but they're going to also write, write writing the stuff. But in traditional television, you would have them being involved in every aspect of the show. If I'm just staff writer writing some... Episode for CSI, or Twilight, Zone, whatever. I would follow the entire process. I would write it, then I'd be in the casting, so I'd see that they they ha- take my opinion. I'd be on set they, if there's any rewrites, we would do them there. But I'd, I'd oversee the entire process. So as like uh, if I was a beginning writer just out of school or just happened to be a good writer, like he was a fantasy writer. That Hollywood's a different kind of thing because. You could be the best fantasy writer in the world, but you go over and go to Hollywood, they're still like you're a newbie. Oh, my hey, God. Hey kid. You got to totally. sit, sit in the back and keep your mouth shut while we do the thing. Uh, that, it's one of the things that always made me laugh. Like They don't want to take a chance on a really good new writer. Like I feel like there's a lot more they can pull from. Anyway, I could even go so far as to say not having low budget or independent films, not having a Corm- like Roger Corman anymore, it really harms the industry and also harms creative, uh, the creative. Yeah,
0: I mean, well, it's been a consolidation of power. Like, I mean, I feel like the, the other story that's, that exists that we've kind of accepted is this monopoly where there are this many studios that are just kind of owning the entire media landscape. And I think A lot of the scripts that come out that are on TV... And this is not to knock the writers. Like, to me, the writers are... They're they're like fucking working stiffs. I mean, obviously, they're in Hollywood. They're surrounded by sickos, and they're just, like, doing the fucking Hollywood dance. But they are working people that are there fucking getting pissed on, that are just, like, these creatives in this machine that's grinding them to dust while they cook up all these ideas. But it is true that a lot of the... Television and films that have been coming out in the last, you know, I I don't know how long, but for the last little while feel almost as if they are algorithmic. I mean, I haven't seen this new uh, Adams Family show Wednesday on Netflix, but I fucking guarantee you there is a scene in this Wednesday show where she uh, she she's new to school. Here it is. I'm I'm throwing my pitch at you. She's new to the school. She's showing up. She's weird. A lot of the kids are weird. And she's in the, like, I don't know, the cafeteria or an auditorium. And someone is pointing out, like, oh, hey, you see that over there? That's the skeleton crew. They're the bad boys. And over there, that's the, uh, you know, and they have the scene where they show all the clicks in the school. Like, that is a scene that i have not seen the show i know it fucking happens i know it cuz it happens in all this dumb shit and because it feels so algorithmic that so the writers are truly threatened by this presence this you know dark cloud in the sky that is you know chat gpt or or the ai that is going to suck up these creative jobs because the general public has been fully greased for basic programming that is not that challenging. That on the surface doesn't, you know, you know what I'm fucking saying here. Like it, it's, it's it's as if we're like ready for this AI takeover because it's almost already happened. Yeah, in, in a but
1: way. but I think this goes back even further to the 50s. I mean, when you think about the way that classic Hollywood operated, it's the same type of monopoly system where you have a couple of studios who control everything, but they control even more than they control now. Like they control, if you're a star, they control who you can work with, what projects you can work on, who you can date. Yeah,
0: here's your new boyfriend, Lucille Ball. What color
1: your hair is. Even in the case of somebody like Rita Hayworth, she had her hairline... Like, they forced her to go through laser electrolysis to change the shape of her face. Like
0: Yeah, right now we do that shit digitally and it looks like shit.
1: The beauty industry and its relationship to Hollywood and media is horrifying. But I guess the way that it's changed for writers is interesting because in classic Hollywood... Writers got paid more and had more freedom, and they, I think, took more chances yeah. on hiring novelists
0: because writing then there was a, a bigger working class writing scene. Like so many of those magazines were publishing you, you know, by the word, and were and were paying all of these like young weird fiction and and fantasy and all, all kinds of writers were. Living just by typing. Oh my like god, I could I've gotten, get by.
1: I've gotten paid by the word before and it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. No one does it. What anymore, a dream. But it's magical. Dream. But wait, so I think the foundation of the problem here is capitalism. And especially American yeah. capitalism. When it when it comes down to this conversation of the quality of the writing and the quality of the entertainment, I think compared to places like Europe the U.S. basically has no funding for the arts. And so when you have this, you know, multi-billion dollar industry who doesn't look at what they're doing as art...
0: Or as a social good, or as a thing well, that is th- nourishing, that is like...
1: Yeah, but that doesn't matter. It's, it's yeah, entertainment. It's and yeah. it's, I, I think, having that kind of homogenization serves the industry. And so if you can homogenize it further by just getting computers to write it for you, then why do you need to pay these whiny writers? And and, and
0: real quick, I kind of want to add an addendum. I am not trying to fucking shit talk writers because I don't like, I don't know, the fucking vampire diaries. I'm not trying to shit talk writers in a writing room that are like doing a job.
1: Have you seen the vampire diaries?
0: What I'm trying to say, I mean like, like Starbucks, for example, I don't drink the coffee. I think it tastes like fucking dirt. It sucks. It's no good. Anytime the Starbucks workers are on strike and they are trying to form a union and make demands, I am 100% like fucking with them. And anytime that class conflict is is part of our daily conversations at the water cooler or wherever people talk, it's Zoom. it's so important. It's incredibly important. And this writer strike is about the future of creativity in a way and they've definitely seen it
2: coming because they've they've tried to bring up the new media thing for for years including SAG and the others
0: so 15 years ago when the writers went on strike last time I was much younger I had not been I don't want to say radicalized yet but I you know all I knew about the writer strike was like oh now the fucking fourth season of Lost only has 15 episodes instead of 28 and I'm pissed about that. Conan O'Brien has a beard and like is just fucking around with the audience for, you know, a month or two months or however long that went on for. And I think there are a lot of people in America that see this as just an inconvenience to their daily operation. There, there is this kind of lack of solidarity. And I think that's because, you know, people think that conversations around the idea of class struggle or even, you know, class war are are just for angry radicals sitting in like a circle, clutching a little red book. And you know, that's bullshit. That couldn't be further from the truth. I feel like class war is something that is not an abstract concept. It's something that is a lived reality for every single working person who works for a wage. You know, you are in a class war and the reason why you're losing it is because you don't realize it or or you don't, you don't see any different path and the only time that these paths are even open and and you're able to see it is when there is a strike and the strikes that are in Hollywood are so fucking visible. They're so huge. Like it's, like the 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 rail strike that happened, I didn't hear about that shit until it was like done. You know what I mean? Because that was yeah, suppressed. That was crazy. But when you know you can't get your vampire—I don't know why I keep saying vampire diaries. When you can't get your fucking Cita, <laughs> I don't know what fucking shows are on right now. But when you can't get that, then when, you're like, oh.
1: Did you did you see that? Uh, one of the great signs from the writer's strike was a sign that said like. Meet our demands, or we'll spoil the end of succession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: the, the, the signs are one of some of the greatest things that yeah. Oh, out I of love thing. a fucking like, protest they're the sign, they, they're wonderful, but, but yeah, like
1: writers' protest signs are
2: you, you, you. you have a totally uh valid point because the the media for whatever right doesn't want to why didn't i like i feel like the inquirer should have been like hey the, you know there's a strike, there's a local strike I, I did i had to look it up i didn't like but, just the, but this, by is, that. this is
1: the problem that i was talking about earlier with this kind of goal of homogenization like it's not just hollywood it's not just television it's something that's been going on in the media forever and i think once you get rid of any kind of progressive or left-wing perspective from the media, then people don't hear about strikes and they don't hear about the valid demands that caused the strikes in the first place because I think what a lot of people who view them as inconveniences don't realize is that on some level, striking is a privilege. Like you're choosing to walk away from your employment and what if you don't get your job back? That's why it's
0: so hard for people who work like dead-end minimum wage jobs like me it's it's impossible to go on strike because, like, you don't have any fucking money in the bank. And, and chances are, you're not part of a union. Often, a lot of strikes in, like, department stores, retail, Starbucks kind of shit, McDonald's strikes, they don't work, you know? they're. In, I'm not saying don't fucking do them, but sometimes, like, they ruin people's lives. Like, there was a while where I was flirting with the idea of doing salt work, which is where you you get hired somewhere only to agitate and help people form unions. But the more I talked to old salts, not to be confused with like, you know, sea dogs, but like people who had done salt work for a long time is that a lot of times it's unsuccessful and you fuck up people's lives. Oh yeah. Didn't you you get fired? I don't want to go into this, but you know what I'm saying though? That like striking is, you're right. It is a privilege. And that's why when, you know, there is a privileged class who is still no. I'm sorry. There's a working class people who are definitely have it better than a lot of other working class people, yeah. like writers in Hollywood or teachers or or doctors or, or rather nurses. Like, yeah, not that teachers not have it great. Teachers, to... but, what I'm, <laughs> but what I'm saying though is that like they teachers do have it better than people flipping burgers. People working at well, fucking. You're talking. We have to be specific about this
2: because if we're just talking. Each teachers' union is going to be by state, and for example, the Maryland Teachers Union has a no-strike clause in 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 their bargain, so they can't strike. So their deals are always shit, and those people and they and they have Which consistently taken away their their pensions and they've raided them for whatever reasons. And they're like, yeah. uh, so the, the, those are those are other problems. I mean, some of these striking, some of these people on strike, uh, I, they're like, well, we like have no-strike clauses, and we're going to have these things. Well, you don't have any power if you can't strike. Obviously, everything's about perspective, so they try to, to uh, spin it. I've always been like, why would you vote against a union? Well, it's because they're like, well, you, if you're a really good worker and there's a really shitty worker, I can't pay you more because you deserve it. Like, so they do that, and then they say, oh, yeah, well, when you go on strike, what about your kids and what about your wife? And what about this other like, – for the writers thing, you shut down all the productions. So you're like, what about the makeup artists? What about what about the grips and, and, and the electrics? And what about all these – you just put you – you're selfish, and you just put all these people out of work. And that's how they frame this. And it's wrong. Uh, And it's also why they pay you low wages so that you can't go on strike. I think strikes are super important and they're very powerful.
1: But I think also the erasure of leftist politics in the U.S. in the 50s when they made it basically illegal to be a communist and really ruined the careers and lives of anyone in the entertainment industry who who had those politics or was even sympathetic towards them. So I think our attitude about strikes is very different than somewhere like France, where... It's
0: fucking hell yeah. In where France they, they love to strike. They do. Oh my gosh. Whenever I like am feeling down, I just like Google, like, yo, who's throwing a brick or a Molotov cocktail in France right now? And I'll watch a little video and I'll be like, okay. The world's got a chance, you know. I don't know. It's uh, We are at, you know, what do you want to fucking call it? The end of history. We're at, at a point in time where it feels like the moneyed corporate owner class is just squeezing every last drop out of the lemon.
1: I mean, think about how big of a deal that Amazon situation was with Absolutely, all the, like, the unionizing know. and the strikes. Right,
0: to, to give them health benefits, you know, to give them like like little like things that just keep them alive so they can keep on sending boxes around a warehouse. But I, I feel like this squeezing lemon thing is perfectly encapsulated in this push for AI and this push to just get rid of the writer's room entirely. And I have a theory. This is how I think it's all gonna fucking go down. This is, I got my my psycho tinfoil hat on, and this is how the robots, this is how Skynet's gonna do it. All right. So obviously, you know, they can't really write a convincing joke. Uh, the AI, I mean, like you know, the jokes aren't that great. Yeah. It, it's clearly some. It's They'll like. learn. Yeah, I'm gonna go with yet as well. Yet. Yes. Yes. But this is what I think's gonna happen. Instead of paying. Twelve writers, like you were saying, for a 22-episode season. Instead, they just have the showrunner. They just got Damon Lindelof, and they're going to feed ChatGPT or whatever the program is a bunch of scripts. You know, all all the information they have about the show and then a bunch of other shows they want to pull from, and then that's going to spit out a script that is kind of weird- you know, it's like an AI script. It's like the videos of people eating spaghetti that just look fucked up.
1: Or like when you use Google Translate to exactly. translate something from that's another language.
0: <laughs> yeah, not quite that janky, but like similar to that. And the showrunner is just going to go through it and just make it a little bit human. Sure, but you still need writers. I mean, did you follow
2: Paul Schrader on his? Yeah, he's, so he's What's amazing. Paulie talking about? Well, he, he mentioned that as well. Like He doesn't seem to have a problem with it. He was like, why don't you just have the AI shit out this thing, and then you're going to pay writers anyway, so just then have them pay it. Uh, I'm not, you know, we shouldn't be opposed to new technologies. They definitely have a, a place for us. And I, I, as a as a producer, like, okay, so occasionally I will talk about things not as Charles, but as like a producer. But as a producer, and I, if I was producing Law and Order, and there's 22 seasons of it, why wouldn't I want to throw, throw that in there and see what our formulas and see what these things are? But also at the same time, I would want to have someone clean it up and write it or just throw them up on the wall and, and be like that. I think if they can compromise and find a way to use this this te- new technology, because you're not going to stop a new technology, period. No. You no, need to figure no. out how to incorporate it, how, how it benefits everyone.
0: I, Well, I mean, that's that's the part. That's the fucking (laughs) ticket right there is how it benefits everyone, because that is the dream of the Jetsons that we have never fucking come close to realizing is that, yes, we live in the future. We got the flying cars. We got we have all the shit, except it is not. It's not for us. Anytime a new piece of technology comes along that should make our lives easier for some reason, I need to work another fucking 10 hours a week. You know, it's it's not being spread out anytime there's some like alleviating bit of new tech it just means we're fucked more a- at least the working people are fucked more
1: unless you live in scandinavia
0: yes obviously it's a different story if you live in some fucking you know
1: white people paradise yes if you live in
0: a, a white <laughs> paradise the antithesis to the coolio song but i feel like that's why hang on what if Shminan in a white paradise really fucked me up with that one. That was a good one. That was pretty good. Uh, Wow,
2: I thought nothing uh, could derail you. I can get one every once in a while. yeah, 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 yeah. As I walk through the valley where I harvest my grain, I take a look at my wife
0: and realize she's very plain. But that's just perfect for an Amish like me. You know I shun fancy things like electricity. Oh, and yes, and I, and I feel morning, like this is the Luddites. You're familiar. Are you familiar with the yeah, Luddites? Of I mean, they right now are just this fucking joke where it's like, oh, you don't like new technology? You Luddite. You don't want to get a smartphone? You got a flip phone? You Luddite. And the Luddites, what they were were they were a bunch of uh, textile workers, and there was this new textile machine that was fucking doing their job for them, and they realized that this wasn't going to make their lives easier even though they hated having to go in this fucking shitty factory and in this awful life they realized that now now they got nothing because now the boss is getting everything when before he had to at least give them a few crumbs and now their crumbs are gone so that's why like when a new tech comes out like yes it is good it's 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 time saving there's less humans have to you know be immiserated but that's not how it ever works. Also, it never works that way.
1: This is just like such a frustrating conversation to have because, oh, I'm loving you know, this. we, we talked about, and maybe we'll get to this. Maybe we won't, but we talked about movies that deal with strikes. And there's this great Elio Petri film from 1967 called the working class go to heaven. And what you just described is basically the plot. It's, this guy, played by the great Jean-Maria Volante, works at this factory, and he figures out how to do his job faster than everyone else and turns it into this competition, and they all hate him. The machine basically cuts off his finger, and it radicalizes him because he realizes, like, we have this technology that's supposed to be making our jobs easier, But instead, it's just, like, pushing us to compete with each other to the point of injury, potential death. And the only person who's benefiting is the owner, who is a person who we never see, who doesn't know us. And, like, the fact that a film from 1967 has literally all of the same class warfare labor issues as a conversation about a writer's strike in 2023, it's like, that's just miserable. It is.
0: I mean, everything stays the same, but just somehow gets worse.
1: At least we have... The internet? I don't yeah. know. No, at least
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> at least we have the fucking the, the void of doom. <laughs> the... <laughs> I, I don't
2: know if it necessarily get wor- uh, gets worse. I just think it sh- it shifts. It's just a, it's yeah. not here. It's there. It's just shifts yes. between who they are and what they're doing. Uh, absolutely.
0: I mean, the the end of the world. The apocalypse has already happened. It's just it might not be here
1: yet. Or maybe this is just what it looks like. Because if you think about the '60s and something like the Jetsons or like or like Star Trek. Star Trek's whole thing is, it's the future, we have all this technology that allows for space travel, but the premise of Star Trek is, they live in a utopia where there's no more racism, there's no more sexism, there are no more class issues. They're just they're just living, living this like dream. suburban
0: dream where a fucking robot brings you a lemonade. Well, that's and the Jetsons, not Star Trek. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said the Jetsons.
1: No, no. I was talking about Star Trek. But oh, I feel okay, like okay, yeah. the Jetsons has a comedic kids suburban version of that where it's yes. like we have this Basically, vision of 50s middle-class prosperity, but in a futuristic cartoon.
0: Yeah, and I feel like the topic of uh, living at the at the end of the world when the apocalypse is here, and in the 60s, they at least had the threat of, like, the bomb. Like, a real apocalypse, where we're all gone in one flash. And right now, we got this really boring slow death, you know? It's like a, a character who gets stabbed in a fucking kung fu movie just milking it, you know? Just going... Ham on that death scene and rolling and rolling.
1: I mean, Russia could take everybody out. Yeah, let's. We'll keep (laughs) our fingers crossed. Okay. I, I want to go back for a minute and ask, do you think that there is a way for writers to get protection against something like AI while also allowing the industry as a whole to benefit from it?
2: Well, okay. So someone yesterday was telling me that a person uploaded all their stuff onto one of those AI things, like all this video, of them, like hours and hours and hours, and then turned it to Twitter so that you can have like a Twitter girlfriend And they're making a lot of money. So I'm glad to see people making money doing that. Uh, But back, uh, so we'll go back to the restroom. Yeah, it is 12. And then they have these mini rooms of, you know, six people, four people sometimes. What do they
1: do in the mini room?
2: Uh, yeah, is that just a
0: fucking writer's room? Why is it called mini room? It sounds be, well, so dumb. Well, you because
2: had, you had the original size 12 or more writers, and they would do the entire season, and again, they would also be there for production. So Netflix, for example, would then have a mini room of four or six people, which is mainly the showrunner and, and someone else. They'd write the season in advance and then be like, see you. So those other people would never get to see production, would never be involved in production. And that's Oh, they're and, just
0: like... They're just like being paid the day rate or something yeah, yeah, to be in the fucking room for a little while, and then they're done.
2: yeah, effectively, and this wouldn't last as long. So if when you were on a real like a, when you were on a longer show, you'd have weeks and weeks and weeks of work. Uh, but this other time is what maybe you have three months of work instead of so six months of work. So you've literally cut everything in half. Uh, but also then. I think the real important, and I want to go back to this Roger Corman thing, uh, because this all ties together, is then you don't have the next generation's executive producers. You don't have the next generation's showrunners. They don't know what it takes to create a show. They don't understand the ins and outs of this. And it was a training ground for everybody. It's a thing that I struggle with too. Like, you know, when I started my career, there was the tail end of indie films, and then they disappeared, right? Uh, we always thought that we'd make some shitty $100,000 movie, and then we'd be in the next level of making those three to five, uh, but those disappeared. Uh, sure, yeah. I may have been involved in them since, but, like, it took way longer than it should have, and we didn't get the training ground. And also, how do you get someone that makes a really good indie film... Uh, than to make a Marvel movie because yeah. that's all the t the, 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 you got two tiers of films now
0: yes and, and, and th- that why is they a look pipeline like shit, I mean because well, nobody learns it's it, it is partially why they look like shit but they're also kind of like shit because there is an entire second unit who shoots half the movie I feel like these indie people are there because one they don't need to fucking pay them they don't need to pay them shit and also they can shoot people talking and they can bring like oh hey he's the guy that made a uh, that movie cop car with Kevin Bacon or something. And
1: I feel like a lot of this applies to academia too. the way that you're just like, okay, how can we hire these people who aren't full tenured professors? And we're going to really shrink the number of tenured professors who have these benefits. Like, getting to go to conferences paid, and getting to take a sabbatical to write their fucking book. It's its like the same principle. It, it, it is.
2: So you have, you know, most of the universities are now run by adjuncts. So yeah. you've got career adjuncts yes, now. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, and it's its unfortunate because you got you got two things. Again, they become a struggling labor class that you're exploiting, and they're supposed to be teaching the next generation. Um, so you're losing effectively. So thats something that all good unions do. There's an apprenticeship, right? And so, if you're going to become a plumber or steelworker, of which I mentioned, I didn't mention on the show, but to them earlier, I wasn't. I worked in a factory when I first started as a steelworker. I worked in a paper mill. Uh, but yeah, there was like an apprenticeship. Like you start off and you learn these things, and you build up, and you get, you come really good, and then you become a master. I think it's the same applies for all these careers, like and crafts, like show running, directing, writing. All, all of this stuff applies to that. But we've taken it because we've decided they've decided that having some fictional stock market price was more important than to have some kind of creative path and professional path that you're, you're doing this thing. I think it also affects them. That's why you have executives that really aren't in, in industry people. They come from other gas industry, what in other end of their industry is when you really should have people coming up from you know other movies or or the trenches as they say.
0: Yeah, I realize uh, that I don't know who any of these executive fucking people are. Like to me, they are just like cigar chomping shadowy. They really
2: are. Ultimately, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I've worked. Uh, I- I've worked at places where you have CEOs that make eight hundred fifty thousand dollars, and the highest paid other workers are fifty thousand dollars, and it's Jesus. like it's, yeah. it's 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 upsetting and it's exploitative. But for whatever reason. They were brought in, obviously because they know People And they were in some other industry that yeah. was able to run numbers better than somebody else. Yeah,
0: they, they sat on the uh, board of some company yeah. that makes fucking lawnmowers. And yeah. now right. they're deciding that writers, you know, have to skip like, breakfast. You know, that's a, their fucking
1: life. Being a CEO shouldn't be an industry into itself. It shouldn't it's be. And they
2: shouldn't be as paid as much as they are. They really have. I don't know why people think they have value on the company itself. They don't. I mean, maybe Steve Jobs did. I, I understand about branding, but still.
1: But to that point. Point, when you think about classic Hollywood, a lot of the big name executive level producers, people knew them. They had personalities. They were characters and sometimes they exploited people for sure they exploited oh my God, Yeah. but a lot of them also came up from like they grew up in cinema families and like film was everything they knew it wasn't like they were hired from the banking industry to run a studio yeah. right and,
2: you know they're doing a lot of that and you don't want that I, I'm curious since you did bring up Marvel movies DC did hire Jim Lee to be involved in their, their, who? their uh, a comic book artist so it should be interesting to see that someone who A. started as a <laughs> let left marvel in dc started doing business sold it back uh, it was called wildstorm sold it back to dc and then worked his way back up and they're like oh you should be uh, an editor you should be control of this and, But
1: that's kind of how it should work and that, well that's
2: what i'm saying it should be interesting to see how this works i mean you could say that in what i don't care what your take is on it but you could say the same thing for james gunn right he started off a trauma he started Fuck off yeah dude one of us yeah. And worked, he, worked yeah, his he way up, he wrote the Mate.
0: goddamn script of Scooby-Doo. I mean, the guy's a fucking king. Right,
2: and, and you know, also made some mid-tier stuff for a million dollars. I don't know how much special was, and then he did another one. Or super, you super, mean. Super, super. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then what was... Slither I was, swear, was his... I've
0: never seen Slither.
2: Slither is great. He also made another weird si- uh, superhero one around the same time. I want to say it was called The Specials, but... I, yeah.
0: I, actually, you know what? No, you're right. You're right. I yeah. don't fucking know, but... So they, got, they're all yeah, different they're
2: tiered... Films that you know, uh, produ- production and, and wise, and so he has that whole experience yeah. of all these. And he knows how things. Are. I think that's why his stuff is actually good. He yeah, because he's that and...
0: for sure. He came from a place where he like learned how to fucking do everything, which is trauma. When you write scripts for trauma, you're on set every day having Lloyd Kaufman throw fake spiders and fake cum on you, and sometimes
1: and, real spiders and real cum. Yeah, it's a
0: <laughs> uh, from stories I've heard from trauma sets. It's pretty wild, but. But still you're learning the process of filmmaking. You learn everything doing that. And and then you go to, like, the studio system where it's like, okay, hey, we need some hired gun, no pun intended, to write the script for the Dawn of the Dead remake, you know, to write the script for fucking Scooby-Doo. And he does them, and, like, both those movies, say what you will about them, are pop culture fun, you know? The Dawn of the Dead movie upsets my soul, but it's pop culture fun. Scooby-Doo is terrific. He has... A knack for pop culture that I agree, you're right, Charles, is something that people don't seem to have because he's someone who's inspired by uh, tons and tons of different sources. You know, they probably watched his fucking Three Stooges growing up and shit like that, as opposed to people now who are just inspired by Marvel movies, who are inspired by this like I will algorithm. I will say that as a
2: professor, you know, you always you always start off doing the dumb things because I don't I can't remember everybody's name after a while. It takes me a while, so it's like, what's your favorite music? What's your favorite movie? And for a while, it was like whatever Marvel movie, whatever, like everybody universally. That's, this is why and it was for I, years I, I couldn't like that. teach. I don't Uh It's still, it's actually less like that now. But it's A24 it,
0: now. Uh, A24 <laughs> is the new Marvel. People <laughs> fucking clap like seals when that A24 logo comes up. When I saw Bo is Afraid, it was the same clap that I got when I saw fucking Guardians of the Galaxy I, when Marvel I, came up. I mean, beautiful things. The reason that they have that is because there isn't that independent company or independent no.
2: distribution. So if that's all we've got, then that's what we yeah. got. And that's why, People are excited about yeah. it. We should have many, many more avenues for people to make these projects. And you, I mean, earlier you were mentioning uh, European institutions about uh, this. So, so yeah. So America is strictly unique, as there is like yeah, we have these tax incentives, but they're kind of bogus things anyway. The way they work is you get, let's say, I shoot in Philadelphia and I get twenty percent tax credit. I have to sell it to somebody for. 15% to get money. That's how that's how the tax credit actually I don't work. fucking
0: have any uh, idea what you just said. So don't worry about I'm it. Not I'm not uh, just... worried.
2: Basically
1: what he said was <laughs> is, is bullshit. Yeah.
2: So uh what but what they actually have over in Europe is they'll ha- they have the lo- like a lottery, national lottery whatever and they actually fund a bunch of this. So you get it it would be effectively like a bunch of different grants in the US where, uh, Yeah,
1: they have huge art uh, budgets compared to But us. yeah,
2: so then they get to make these movies and you get to Get, you get to have a pipeline for this for you get to have apprenticeships because they can say oh this person made a pitch deck of this and has a script and let's give it a chance and we he wants three million dollars but you know we can pull up eight hundred fifty thousand dollars great so they do that yeah. and you get a lot of very <laughs> cool. interesting unique films that you can take a risk on because they don't have to make money they just have to exist because yeah. that was what the program was for same i mean the bbc does it too i think the more interesting thing there someone was asking me about that and i said well they're all unionized as well but there's 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 caps on what actors get made there's caps on what the writers get made but also with that is if you're an actor you have to act in so many of these low budget things you have that's why you always see super famous british actors on those things because in order but to, it to makes maintain them it. better yes uh, yes absolutely no that makes everything
0: better well that's to me that is like the definition the of like game. of of solidarity within a guild or within some sort of like not a broad class thing but like within the field that you're in you know, And I feel like this was a psycho thing I was on for a long time about democratizing the workplace when I worked at like pizza shops and places like that. I felt like in order to get a job at this here pizza shop, you need to make pizzas. Even if you're sweeping the floors, you need to learn how to make pizzas. And th- those dickheads that are making the pizzas real fast and who are like Mr. Manager Man, you need to sweep the goddamn floors for two weeks. And you need to be a busser for two weeks and you need to wait tables for two weeks. Then you get back to making people like you need to do every single job in an area, which obviously is a little different from like when an actor. But like as an actor, you shouldn't just be doing these like projects that pay pay you 20 million dollars like Scarlett Johansson. I mean, say what you will about her performance in Black Widow or whatever she yeah, that's then, not
1: the point. That's
0: not the point. What I'm saying is that right after Black Widow, she went and did a project that paid her like seventy-five thousand dollars, you know, a week or something, which is like nothing compared to the twenty mil she made in the previous movie. Because
1: that's how it should that's just, work. That's
0: because that's she grew up in it. She grew up as an actor and in this scene, and she like knows that it's we're all in it together, well, you know? It's and like, it's just uh, so admirable when you see that in, in people who- it,
2: it does happen a lot when, when we were talking about, when you were asking about striking movies, and I was like, oh. Britannia
1: Hospital Well, and so Mark for Hamill. example,
2: Mark Hamill and both Malcolm, I
0: believe they both took union both, minimums yep, or, they, and, they and expenses. Wait, what are you talking about? I'm sorry, can you fill so, me in?
1: Li- so Lindsay Anderson, who is one of the great leftist revolutionary directors of British cinema um, for many, many different reasons, One of his last films was this movie called Britannia Hospital from 1982 that basically almost tanked his career because it's so radical. And it's this black comedy that is absolutely insane. But Malcolm McDowell and Mark Hamill both wanted to work with him so much that even though he couldn't get the full funding to cover their salaries, they waived their fees. And I think McDowell worked for. For free like basically yeah just I, for I didn't want to say
2: that I believe that they did both work for free but I yeah. you know I don't know how that and, actually works in and in
1: Mark in Hamill his characters just like high in a news van the whole <laughs> movie it's great
2: wow it's Britannia Hospital yeah have Britannia you have you, have you not seen that? I have not seen this. you but you've watched all the trilogy recently right uh, yeah, yeah
1: I and I did the commentary for Britannia oh Hospital. okay
2: great I, I I mean I i love that movie it's such a I mean it's different from what he was doing because it's not a satire it's a flat-out comedy in my opinion but it's so nihilistic it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and
1: it's also very anti Falklands War. Which oh well, was it's because it came out during yeah,
2: yeah. Mar- the, Th- the Thatcher. It's era. very yeah. anti
1: Thatcher. But it, it just, I think it's such a great example of your point that at its best, this industry can. Create so many different types of entertainment, and like they don't all have to be these auteurist art house films. Yeah. They can be big blockbuster fun yeah. superhero movies. And but there has to be the range.
0: Precisely, and I feel like I would—I don't know—I I wouldn't be such a fucking shit bag about like new Marvel movies or like this never-ending just like
2: well i mean that's what uh, we make the movie uh, the money now on so i don't know what's the next thing they're going to make the money on but we'll see hundreds of thousands of that i keep hoping it's the erotic thriller but oh the erotic thriller
0: is <laughs> coming back oh it's yeah not coming back I,
2: I,
1: there's no sex and cinema no no, no. you know
0: what i think is coming back the michael moore style documentary i don't know i think we wore that one out yeah too. i think you're right i think I, you're right I,
1: I hope so. I really don't
2: know what's on. But, but wait,
1: this this actually sort of, I think, gets to part of why this writer's strike also feels extra stressful, because to me it seems like a lot of the best writers working in this country have sort of been driven out of film, and a lot of them work in television. And I think there is this sort of acknowledgement that, like, there's some great stuff happening with TV shows and yeah, everything. Yeah, we're living from, in the, in the yeah. golden
0: age of prestige TV. But where so what
1: happens when you take all the writers away and it's just like a showrunner and an AI bot?
0: Well, I mean, the idea is, is that when you take all the writers away and it's just a showrunner and AI bot, is they're spitting out the same stuff. That it's as good, if not better, than it was before. Like, that is the dream of the executives, is that they don't need these creatives anymore. Well, the, yeah, we don't want to pay people to have feelings they're, and they're, cause they're problems. Their dream
1: is just to make more money. That's all they care about. Like, but now that
0: now that you can't sexually harass your writers without getting called out,
2: let's just go get rid of them. We don't need them here,
0: you know? Like, there, there truly is no... I mean, but, but then again, that is just how it is in, in every industry. Like, the moment that you are not needed, you're toast.
2: I, I think they can find a good compromise. Like uh, I there, hope ha- so. there has to be. They'll figure out because again, we were talking about uh, you can take a lot of risks when you have a BB. So shows. That's why sometimes you get series that have five seasons, or sometimes series with one. And you're like, oh, it's really good. But that again, it's not risk aversion because they don't have to like make money off of it. So it's still they can do all these risky things. And Hollywood or the studio executives have just said, okay, we'll find one thing and then we'll just do that over and over again. And that's one way to do it, but they're still neglecting that they have to take risks to find the next thing. We know that superhero yeah. thing going to end at some point and whoever took the risk, uh, will then, to dominate the industry, and that studio will as well. I mean, it's the same. It's any industry does that. Think about it, like pharmaceutical industry. So they have a blockbuster drug that makes all the money, but all the other stuff takes up the, the research, right? I have all this money in research and development, just eating everything up. But I got to make a blockbuster drug. So that's they, it's the same model, uh, and it's bad yeah. for everything because bad, absolutely because that it bad. is. If you t- because if, now if, your
0: movie needs to make a billion dollars in order for your company to be salvageable and that shouldn't or that shouldn't be
2: good you should be good enough i'm gonna make a 10 million dollar movie and if we can walk away with 50 million dollars that's uh, that's outrageous it's outrageously yes. fantastic i mean wouldn't any of us be happy if we made something you for me? for 10 dollars and sold it for a hundred dollars yeah, 50? yeah absolutely. 25 absolutely. like i'd be i'd be i'd be I'd, I'd i'd walk away a happy man every day if i could do that like uh, so I, I also think there's some perspective, again, it has to do with greed. Like how, like, I want to show you that I have the biggest numbers or we've got the biggest stock price. We've got this thing. I mean, it, it's in every industry. And again, I think that's probably how this, the, the, blockbuster things even happen in the first place. Probably they grab some pharma guy and we're like, how do you, you make billions of dollars on this drug. Yeah. Uh, but you throw away these other drugs that could actually help people. And then uh, that's
1: a whole other awful. (laughs) But I wanted to bring it
2: up because it probably did. There probably was. I don't know. I'm just. just, Then they're like. So then we lose all these people, but also we are also not helping the workers because there's all like now now that not just writers, so makeup artists, special effects people, directors, other producers, caterers, yeah, caterers, everybody. Uh, Let me tell you like when. This time last year, uh, there was so much work in Philadelphia that we were, doing, we were doing a little week-long, two-week-long project. All the film caterers were taken up, and we had to call like regular caterers, and they had no idea how to deal with film crew. Like it was a, it was a disaster. I mean, they were great; the food was great, but it was still just like every day I had to waste this time being like, "This is how it's done on films, and this is what I need, and this is why I need it." Okay, I got it. Next day, this is what I need. This is why I need yeah. it. This is how it's done. But you you don't have that, so you 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 need to have all these low, lower budget, mid budget, high budget things. Starting this, thing. I think it's so important. I think yeah. Same with Starbucks. Like I'm just some guy that needs a job at 18 because I don't want to go to college, and then maybe like and they do they try to entice that someday you'll be a manager. But yeah, it, that, that is how it works. But you don't want to be a manager at Starbucks. You you can get get out. Or or you maybe you are okay maybe because the wages are good enough. Well, being that's, that's, that it's the good, idea, and that's the idea. That's the important that thing.
0: If we want to have these, I things, need, how many people did you pay? know growing
2: up that were like didn't actually have dreams? And there's so many of them. They're they're happy about it. Are you and like kidding? I want dreams
0: them, fucking suck, and, man.
2: I want them to have good. You want them to have good wages. You want them to have to be happy. Yeah, but and but, I want them to buy my art.
1: But but this <laughs> but this is also I think. A, obviously a much broader discussion that gets at the sort of issue that I'm talking about compare there that I've been talking about comparing now to like the sixties. When if you look at studies there's and, and you look at the actual numbers, like a guy working in an average office could make enough money to support his entire family and own a house. And now it's like everybody works 12 fucking jobs and like you should be able to have a bullshit office job or a bullshit Starbucks well, job if, and support yourself. Yeah, if
2: you remember, that was the whole reason the minimum wage was started because at that particular time, the minimum wage was how much you could live, you could make and live, uh, have a proper living wage. Like you didn't need a second job and everybody could pay. But, you know, they got distorted. Uh, I'll go back. My, the reason that, that that factory job for me was so, so good, I wouldn't... <laughs> Uh, was i think minimum wage at the time was either three seventy five or four twenty five and I was making fifteen dollars an hour. So that's like a huge you I mean oh, that's yeah. huge.
0: Um, making three times minimum wage is is huge. And I even, mean and actually I even was 18, right,
2: 19 at the time like that I was rolling I, in money. I, then yeah. again, then again yeah. I just
0: said that but right now if you made three times the minimum wage you would make uh twenty one seventy five which like, which to me that's like, that minimum wage. <laughs> sort
2: of. I uh, mean, but that's yeah, what I guess minimum so. wage should be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 20 bucks $20 an hour is. Like, not, you
1: got to adjust every six months not, for inflation. And they haven't adjusted it since what, 1975 or something. No, it
2: was the 90s, I think. Because it's 7 dollars seven twenty five. Seven twenty five. dollars
1: But still. Like minimum wage shouldn't be oh now you're at the poverty line. No, I, all right, all I, right. right. I How do we fix
0: this? Wait, How wait. do we fix all this? I mean, it, is it guillotines is it, or I'm sorry, guillotines <laughs> for the you. French. Yes, yes, yes.
2: Humorously, someone uh, someone gave me a drink in the uh, the other day, and the it the fruit that they put in it was shaped like a guillotine. Yeah, they were like, "You're a producer, aren't you?" So uh, <laughs> 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 I was like, hey, whoa, "Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, dude, hey, no, whoa. no, no, I'm not an it executive." Worked? <laughs> hey, it
1: works for France. Wow.
2: Conversely, as a producer, this is the, the, the thing that is the hard thing to say is when you're cutting a budget, the first thing you cut is the labor costs. It, 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 you, you'd be stunned about how fast cutting labor would reduce your budget. It is shocking and it is upsetting, but that's why that happens. So
1: you're saying you are the enemy.
0: I, no. It's okay man. We're not listen, we are not lining you against the wall. It's I, not going to happen, man. I, I'm You're, never, fine. I'm You're never, fine. I'm never I'm
2: never bad about it. I never we never exploit people. But uh you know, you if I'm an independent, it's, I'm not a studio. It's, it's a studio has I feel like inf, like ha, can like if they run over, they can keep going over as an independent yeah, film producer. If can. I I can't do it. You know, there have been movies where I've put in fifty, hundred thousand 100,000 on credit cards just to get it done. And then that's why we want residuals and stuff because if I don't get the residuals, I get to pay back. But also, all these people are working for less than what they should have been working for, so they should get residuals as well and get paid. And then so when you don't have the streaming residuals, there is no right. There is no incentive to work for less. There is no incentive to make these things the best they are.
1: Like think about the quality of films from the 40s and 50s and 60s. Like they they put out hundreds, if not thousands, of films a year, and like they're not all masterpieces, but Having this like much wider range of productions and giving people more creative yeah. freedom, it gets rid of that feeling of.
0: And it's like, I fucking miss movies where there would just be characters hanging out for like 25 minutes. Like the first fucking 25, 30 minutes, you're just getting to know these people. You're just settling in to a fucking movie like a grown up. It's not just this like onslaught of shit. I mean,. Like that's why we don't cover new movies because we like and we don't cover new shit. Like, I know this is different, but it's because I, it's not for me. I don't I don't respond to it well. I I just get all angry about it and have all these dumb feelings. And I feel like no one wants to hear me shit on Guardians of the Galaxy. No one wants to hear me take a fucking dump on Evil Dead. You know, it's it's. I bet your therapist would love to hear all that though. Oh my god. <laughs>
2: Oh, wait.
1: Did did I tell you? So I, on a similar note, as I'm sure most of our listeners know, when I do commentaries, they're almost always historical. Like, I don't don't really work on new film releases unless someone asks me to do, like, an essay or a video essay so I can talk about the historical context and the subgenre. Recently, I agreed to do—and this hasn't been announced, so I probably shouldn't be sharing this, but I'm going to anyway— I was asked to do a commentary on a new film and immediately said yes. It's this movie called On Time that's all about strikes in France and how it impacts this woman who is just like struggling to get to work full time. And it's shot like a thriller, but instead of her being chased someone, it's just...
0: The bus drivers are on strike.
1: Yeah, the train drivers are on strike, so she gets stranded and it's. You, and fucking, yeah. yeah, and
0: cops are just like spraying people with hoses and shit. I don't know what they do in France. Maybe they spray them with like I don't know, fucking cheese or something. They
1: refuse to pick the garbage up. Well, I haven't seen this movie, but I
2: want to see it now. Yeah, I honestly
0: Uh, like any movie that deals with strikes. They're always interesting to me. I loved that one Boots Riley movie that came out a few years ago. I watched it like three times in theaters. I was obsessed with it. I thought it was so fucking cool. Was that uh, sorry Sorry to bother you? you. Sorry to bother you. Yeah,
2: it was interesting when you said talk about the strike strike movies. When you look it up, there's not actually a lot of movies about strikes. There's a couple about organizing labor, and then there's a couple strike movies or, or uh, they're they're so subplot in, in, I, know, I know i know i uh, know originally
0: the idea for this episode was for us to like each pick a strike movie i i, I, I mean it's not a bad idea but i feel like there's not, this, this this writer strike thing is is so important that i didn't want to hamper it down with you know a, a standard uh
2: i don't al- i'd also argue that like if you really wanted to get into any movie where the working class is uh, is trying to
0: Advance their cause, yeah.
2: You, even if it's a comedy. I, I would argue that nine to five with Dolly Parton. Oh my could, god, could yeah. in this. so Perfect any movie, movie like that, uh, that, that represents workers' rights is all, is involved in this. All yeah. of the
1: various films titled Working Girls, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there yeah, are yeah, like five of them. And
2: I feel like if you were going to talk about strike movies, that you should talk, it encompasses all Absolutely. of those movies, and they're equally as important as those because. Uh, like you said, not everybody can strike, but there's other things you can do, and we get a pleasure out of, uh, yeah. You know, I,
0: I, it's funny. I figured that this episode was gonna be like uh, Charles talking about Harlan County, USA. Sam talking about the working class goes to heaven, and then I just bring up ants.
1: Wait a second! You're telling me
0: I don't have to be here? We got a choice. The authorities don't want you to know about it, but we don't have to work on the tunnel anymore. It's the workers who control the means of production. Hey, Z don't
2: dig? I don't dig. People, what is this, an encounter group? Let's get back to work. Why? This guy Z, he's
1: leading the revolution.
2: I'll get back to I think it's important that you understand Netflix, for example, for their actors, for their voice actors, have already have AI written into it, so they can... Reuse, remanipulate for other episodes, uh, work that you've already done in perpetuity. Yeah, in perpetuity, and also in any media known now or not known, uh, and it's already there. So hopefully, the I
1: wonder what I wonder what the first contract to have that was. Oh,
0: I, I this is my guess. I'm not sure, but I know the Star Wars actors signed that shit over early. It was like,
2: probably before that though, because I don't remember remember how many years ago you started having like a a Tupac hologram or oh my god. Um, Humphrey Bogart in commercials. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was like it? That? It was
0: like Humphrey Bogart is doing like a tango with a vacuum cleaner to sell I Auric mean, this Excels. is the same
2: thing, effectively. Yeah. You, you don't know what your estate's going to do or what your children are going to do. They're going to sell you out for
0: sure. But, but also, but the thing is, though, <laughs> with, with with this like new emergent technology, you're just going to fucking type in, I don't know, Humphrey Bogart uh, eating out Patricia Arquette in a Star Wars movie. He and would never... But that's what you'll you'll get. You'll get some AI version of Humphrey Bogart going down a Patricia Arquette with a bunch of fucking Wookiees running around shooting blasters. And it's like and and we will be able to make those movies ourselves for the studios, they're trying to get in on that action before everyone else just realizes that you can just do this shit at home. You know what I mean? And yeah, like but there are still that's rights. What, that's
1: what <laughs> there's <are> still copyrights. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I've got a job to do too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now, he's looking at you, kid. Uh, I guess we, I want to close the episode we, out. I we haven't even talked about everything yet. Well, guess we're what? We never do. There's no way to do it. Well, we should we You
2: should,
1: have to stick around for the happy hour. We should we, wrap, wrap,
2: we should wrap, we should wrap up the writers strike because The writer's strike's still going on. They, it's never be They going uh, on. they how we it up it's an ongoing thing. They needed to strike, they had to strike, but one of the things that I didn't get to mention was the studios wanted them to strike, okay? 100% wanted them to go on a strike. Uh, they're going they to, they will be able to clean house. I'm not sure. I haven't looked. Yeah. I, I haven't looked at everything, but there are some insurance things that have uh, strike clauses that say we won't cover you for strike. Cause some of them do have things that cover you for strike clauses. So the ones that do are like bucket, uh, D- David Simon, for example, the, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, so the HBO, HBO writer. just let him go. He's created the wire, uh been there twenty five years. So they let him go because they can do that. So you yeah, can start they are they're gonna come out, out on top. So definitely this. the Warner Brother people are gonna start nah. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that, but they're, they're that they assume that they would do stuff like that. It's a good, it's a good opportunity to do that. And also, it's a fear tactic. They're like, "Oh, you think you're so powerful? Wait till the, all those other people that aren't working are struggling." Well, and, and, that, and are that's mad what you know. I yeah.
1: meant earlier when I said striking is a privilege. Yeah. it is a yeah. risk for the but, person striking. Yeah,
2: so they, they're gonna, they're gonna any 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 projects that they really didn't want from uh, earlier executives gone. Any any projects that they think were going ar- awry gone. And any yeah. deals that they thought were too... Too good, gone, uh, and they can do all that stuff. That they're gonna, they're gonna clean it up, and I'm not sure how long they can go until they, it
0: starts affecting their stock well, prices, Well, as soon as that happens, it hasn't yet, yes, no, well, it has, but not in any meaningful way that they are not insulated for. But what you were just saying is, is. I mean, that to me is like uh, that Naomi Klein shock doctrine type shit where when there is like a natural disaster or like a 9-11-ian, 11 -11 -11. (laughs) 9 11 Angelion, like some like 9-11 type event where the people who are in power, all they need to do is find a way to make this beneficial. And trust me, they fucking can. That's their entire purpose for existing is to make some awful thing into a plus into some sort of like, you know, the numbers changed this way, but we uh we fixed them over here type of situation where it's like nothing really changes.
1: I feel like Hegel would have a lot to say about
0: this. Hegel. Okay. Uh <laughs> on that <I> guess note, <laughs> we need to we need to wrap things up here. Uh I wanted to ask you one final question, Charles, now that we have you here. When are you going to start working for Marvel? what's it what will it take to get you to direct the new miss marvel yeah you and made a superhero movie. Uh, yeah
2: i don't they never i was hoping they'd come i mean i we've <laughs> one of the reasons we made the movies because we thought that it would make lots of money because of the superhero thing um and again, as a producer, you learn lots of things. Just make what's in your heart. Just make like I love shitty horror movies. I should just make shitty horror movies, and they probably just make money because they come from the heart. I, I yeah, love this. a
1: twenty four.
2: You got it. that
0: producer brain, man. You, know? you see the dollar sign. You're like, yo, bro, the superheroes are I, in. Let's I, fucking you know, put I, a suit on. I, I have a. I,
2: I also love that stuff as well. And I just I wanted to do do it different when we made Zeros. I wanted to do it different, and I do like it. I still I still I still love it. And but it made
1: I, me laugh uh, yeah
2: it makes a lot of people laugh uh, but I really I it was hopefully being a stepping stone to another thing not necessarily a Marvel movie for example but like that's what you hope when you're doing no this they want projects. they
0: want young empty-headed fucking kids is what they want I have a good friend who's like kind of in the pipeline for that shit and it's just like I can just see his life sucks like I mean it's probably great I mean he's hanging out with like Margot Robbie and shit but it's like it sucks, man. They're just going to suck his soul out. I know it. And I'm so sad. I'm cutting this part out for sure.
2: I would I would love to make one. I think it would be difficult because of the parameters of, of what they have you do uh, or how many people are involved in notes and things. Like that would probably be difficult. But I, I think it would be a lot of fun it's to like do. It's like directing by committee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Unless
0: you're a fucking god emperor like James Cameron who can like control a fucking small country or at least a city state all working towards one singular vision.
1: Yes, but Charles is not a psychopath with a gigantic ego. Yeah, I'm not ego.
0: a megalomaniac, and yeah, I'm not... We'll, like, we'll
1: have to work like, on puffing yeah. your ego up.
0: Like, I really... <laughs>
2: In order to do that, you need to have that personality, like yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm sure at points he knew he was a villain, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'm leaning into being a villain to get this done, because my art, oh, it's so important." Yeah, oh my god. I'm I'm even going to say, from an artistic standpoint, like if you're exploiting labor, it's not a good thing. Like you, you could go to any kind of, I'm sure Jeff Koons and and and. Andy Warhol, I'm sure we could say that they were exploiting labor as well.
1: Andy Warhol,
0: for uh, sure. Anyone who makes everyone. any money off someone else's labor is exploiting And them. And
2: I, I think there's a fine line. Like, you shouldn't be exploiting. Yes, I'm sure you need to have these people working, but you shouldn't be exploiting them. They should be happy with what they're doing. You they should be happy with the ways uh, they're doing it. And then and I feel like there.
0: we're, I'm trying to wrap the episode off, but I, I feel like that's not what exploitation is, though. Like, exploitation isn't like having happy, you're not. You're suddenly not being exploited because you're happy. That's not like what it is. You know I, what I mean? I, said, like, I did. I did emphasize wage at the the second yeah, part yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, right, it wasn't right. just about
2: happy. I did say the second. I said happy, and then I said wage. Yeah.
1: What what uh, is happiness?
2: I I I want to I, I, I want to say it's quantified by. How much you spend?
1: You can't keep doing <laughs> this. We can't be here forever. Right, Charles and I are gonna go on strike and keep talking no. if you don't stop shouting.
2: Uh, no. <laughs> all right. All right. I I, I just want to say I think. What? <laughs> we need to support the writer strike and I think yes. I, but I also think we need to compromise and figure out how to use AI within the parameters of filmmaking within writing within even pitch decks for futuristic things.
0: No, it's um, it's not fucking going away and the people who are trying to like completely outlaw it or ban it are the same people who were smashing the fucking textile machines in England like you destroying the machine and well honestly it was actually really cool what they did. But, like, you doing that isn't going to stop it because it is this implacable force that involves every single person on Earth breaking the machine, and we have proven time and time again that we're not all going to do that.
1: Especially if you give us some, like, middle-class privileges, we're like, okay. I mean,
0: while those <laughs> privileges are eroding away, I mean, no! We have to end the episode! We can't keep doing this! Charles, it has been awesome having you on the show, man.
2: Uh, Likewise, Charles, uh, it took you long enough to have me on your show. I've been, I've been, I've I've been just, you know, I hang out outside sometimes, walk by back and forth (laughs) while you have people here, and I'm like, hey, you remember me? I've known you guys for years.
0: Why don't you talk to me? Well, while Charles is busy as a, you know, professor, a filmmaker, uh,
2: puppet master, he's
0: also (laughs) been like a Torgo in our house. He's been like the Manos, hands of fate, little. Minion running around and just filling up Sam's seltzer bucket at all days. That uh... that
1: sounds really gross. Yeah, I'm but not it... drinking No, Sam dips
0: her feet in seltzer. See what ah! I'm saying? We have to end the fucking episode. We're done. Goodbye, everybody. Did you hit stop? Cause bye. Shut the fuck up. <laughs>